When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in episode. Oh, I should have asked him. I want to say 80, 83. What's right with Nick Wright? Maybe Matt can tell me my ear if I'm wrong on it. Somewhere around there. We're in the 80s. Yeah. We are on episode 83 of What's Right. I think people expect me to be sad today, expect me to be down today. Demonze smirking as if he didn't once again lose every <laughs> bet he made in a football weekend. And he's like, oh, I, I figured it out now. Now I'm a single game parlay guy. I think you went over three. three on the parlay. I think you went, which Edward Zolaire came close to covering for me. Edward Zolaire almost got 35 yards. You had Stephon under. Diggs me. You, yeah, you had under for Stefan Diggs yards. I forgot what your other one Touchdown was. Touchdown score, Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey, 0 for three. That's oddly not as painful as going two for three. Like where you're like, oh, you were that close. And then you, right. of course, had the Chiefs plus the two and a half points. That one didn't cover either. That cost me some money. I'm sure we're going to be starting there. We have a ton to get into, and the NBA season starts tomorrow. We'll do a little NBA. We'll do a lot of NBA on Thursday show. I understand it's kind of weird, like, oh, the season will have already started. We'll do our real NBA season preview on Thursday. Not too much going to happen in the first two days that would change any of that. But today is a Monday, a Monday after four of the very best teams in football all played on national television playing each other. So we've got to talk football today. But as we always do, let's start with, what we are not talking about today, what did not make the cut today, Robbie Anderson ejected by his own team and Christian McCaffrey on the trade block. Any The reports that they want two first-round picks for C-Mac, it's just so insane. Nobody, from just an objective standpoint, nobody should do that. Tennessee beats Alabama in an epic college football game, 52-49, to 49, an awesome field goal at the gun, and then Nalen goes crazy, Rocky Rocky Top, they, they steal the goalposts, and then Tennessee has the audacity to do a GoFundMe to pay for the goalpost <laughs> replacement. I think your $1.3 billion endowment Tennessee can cover that. And as I mentioned, the NBA tips off tomorrow in Boston. But let's get right to the show. Demonze, I have a feeling I know where we're starting. Go ahead. Tough break for your Chiefs this weekend. Yeah. And you as well. Allen threw the game-winning touchdown, and Mahomes threw the game-losing interception. Yep. You weren't salty, though. You gave credit where it was due to the Bills. So I'm assuming you're going to say that this doesn't matter into the playoffs. But it's kind of strange. It seems like the Buffalo, the Bills could easily have home field advantage in the AFC East mm-hmm. now. Uh, convince us that you're not still worried about the Bills. Okay, so I have said all along the Bills are a very good team and that at some point, the Bills will beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. I don't think Mahomes will go undefeated against Allen in the playoffs in his career. And that might happen this year, might not happen this year. But nothing that happened yesterday makes me more concerned. There's nothing that happened yesterday where I'm like, oh my God, the Chiefs are screwed. I don't want to draw all the corollaries of last year. But last year, the Bills came into Kansas City, not only won, they won by three scores. They kicked the Chiefs' teeth then, and then 
They stumbled for two months, and that playoff game was not in Buffalo. Now, given Buffalo's schedule and given the strength of their defense, I do think they have the clear inside track to the one seed now. And that obviously is an advantage because there's only one bye now instead of two. And because Mahomes has never had to play a road playoff game because every single year he's been uh, quarterback for the Chiefs. They've been the one or the two seed. In the years they were the two seed, the one seed lost after the bye. And so they've never had to go on the road. So if I'm being honest, if you want my honest take on what happened yesterday, what concerns me, what does not concern What concerns me is, and I said it on this show and I said it on the TV show, Von Miller's ability to wreck a game happened yesterday. Von Miller was the best player on the field for either team yesterday. He he caused the pick on the final play of the game by forcing Mahomes up in the pocket pocket and to go faster than he wanted to. He He had a huge sack to drive before to get Buffalo the ball back. He was all over the field. That concerns me. And Andrew Wiley at right tackle, which we've talked about how Vaughn likes to rush off that side. Andrew Wiley could not handle him, so that was concerning. The Chiefs' inability to consistently run the ball when the Bills were daring them to run, that concerns me a bit. So those are real concerns. The Bills' offense, listen, the end of the first half was a gut punch, and Andy Reid took a timeout that I wouldn't have recommended. There's a minute 10 left. The Chiefs had a minute 20 left. The Bills had a third and 13 in on their, or it was, might have, it was, no, it was after, they did have a third and 13, but it was after first down he took the timeout that I wouldn't have taken because the Bills would have gone conservative. You get them off the field and you then get the ball back up 7-3 with still 40 seconds and at one timeout because you would have used the next one chance to kick a field goal and said he calls timeout. The Bills, credit to them, Josh Allen was amazing on three drives in this game. The last drive of the first half, the first drive of the second half, and the final drive of the game, driving down the field 98 yards. Chiefs were lucky to even get three points out of it. They end up kicking a 62-yard field goal, three points out of it. But the I think one of the narratives coming out of the game is going to be, oh, the Chiefs secondary. Well, the Chiefs secondary is going to be different. Trent McDuffie, the first-round pick, there was his first game off IR. Trent McDuffie's first game back off IR, and Rashad Fenton didn't play. So your top two, cor- so you're playing an undrafted rookie, you're playing a fourth-round rookie. So I think the Chiefs' secondary will be better, and I think even as is, holding the Bills to 24, that it should be enough. The reason the Chiefs lost is a number of things, but one of them is Mahomes made a few big mistakes. The pick in the red zone was a bad decision. Should have just thrown it away and taken the three points. And at the end of the game, he you were not in a spot where it was first and 10 from the 30. You were not in a spot where you had to go get it right then and there. He tried to force it in. Do I think Mahomes is going to make those critical mistakes You know, the next time they play? I don't. Do I think that Von Miller is definitely, at his age, and given the last few years, going to be able to hold up the entirety of the season. I'm not sure. And so I actually thought the Chiefs defensive game plan, all things considered, was pretty sound. I'm not. I didn't see anything yesterday where I'm like, oh, my God. You know, the I don't know how the Chiefs beat this team. The the Chiefs played 
a B-minus game, in my opinion, and had the ball at the end with a chance. Mullins was going to have to go the length of the field in a minute, which is hard to do. But I, I, I give the Bills credit. They won the game. They deserve to win. But we have seen that story before. And the one other thing I will say is this. Everyone just anointing the Bills, the one seed. It's a lot of the season left. And the Bills' schedule, it, at the beginning of the season, we would have said it was very favorable the rest of the way. All of a sudden, a lot of the games that we thought were going to be very easy could be at least a little tougher. You, the Bills will be favored in every game they play the rest of the way. But they have four left against the Patriots and the Jets, which look like four easy games at the beginning of the season. All of a sudden, those are frisky-ish teams. Still, they, they still have to go to Cincinnati. They're home from Minnesota, who's 5-1. and one, And they come out of the break against Green Bay. We'll talk about Green Bay later. Green Bay might not be good. Point being, and they have one left against Miami, a Miami team that already beat them. Point is this. I think the Bills right now are the favorites for the one seed. They are far from guaranteed for the one seed, but credit to them. And as I said in my tweet, hang the banner. This second straight championship game they've won. This is, it's the Buffalo Bills. They don't, this is where I got to be a smart ass and I apologize, but you don't win Super Bowls in Buffalo. You get big regular season wins. There it is. Hang, they've won their Super Bowl two years in a row. Hang the banner, Buffalo. All right, next. All right, Philly moved to 6-0 last night, but Dallas hung around and looked pretty dangerous. Uh, what a weekend for the NFCs. Even the Commanders won. Okay? Yeah. Philly looks mostly unstoppable, even though they can't score in the second half, obviously. Yep. Dallas should be better with Dak, but Cooper Rush did good over his little five-game tenure. Yep. Meanwhile, the Giants are 5-1 and one and have Jacksonville, Seattle, Houston, and Detroit next. With Dak coming back, how does the division pan out? All right. So right now it looks like there's going to be three playoff teams from the NFC East, which absolutely no one could have predicted. Because right. Dallas is four and two, Giants are five and one, Philly's six and oh. Of those three teams, the one that I am the least confident, and I by the way, it's probably smart money that they all make it. But I am certain Philly's making it. Yeah. Philly, Philly is not in the position Buffalo's in where I think it's a little too early to anoint them the one seed. Philly is going to be the one seed. It would be shocking if Philly doesn't get 13-4 and four would will get you the one seed in the NFC. And so Philly's remaining schedule, as they now sit here at 6-0, and oh, they have a bye. Find five losses because 13-4 and four will get you the one seed. Right. Find the five losses. Pittsburgh, Houston, Washington, Indy, Green Bay, Tennessee, the Giants, Chicago, Dallas, New Orleans, the Giants. It's hard to find three losses, much less find five losses. Sure, Green Bay could beat them. Say they split with the Giants. Say they lose in Dallas. That's three. I think you got to find five. So and say they give away a you know they lose in India the game they shouldn't lose probably there's four we got to find five and twelve and five by the way depending on because the rest of the NFC East is going to beat up on itself a bit right Dallas and the Giants they play each other again I I mean San Francisco's already got three losses the Rams everyone the NFC West leader is three losses NFC's Tampa already has three losses so the only other team you'd look at Minnesota. Is Minnesota, they're five and one. Are they going to be the one seed? 
Well, they still have at Buffalo, home for Dallas, home for New England, at Green Bay, home for the Giants. I don't think Minnesota's getting to 13 and four. And by the way, Minnesota, even if they do get to 13 and four, they lost head to head to Philly. So if they finish with the same record, Philly gets it. So I think Philly, lock them in at the one seed. I'm very, and before the year, I will admit when I'm wrong, before the year I said, listen, I like Philly to win the division. I was skeptical of that in the beginning. And then after the Tyron Smith injury, I came around Philly winning the division. But I was like, this talk of them being the one seed is crazy. It's not crazy. It's actually going to happen. The Giants at five and one with wins over Baltimore and Green Bay in the last two weeks. The Giants have two left against Washington. They have one one against Indy, one against Houston, one against Jacksonville, and one against Seattle. That's six games. If they go four and two in those six, that's now nine wins. That means, oh, I didn't even mention Detroit. They have, so they don't even have to beat any good teams the rest of the way to make the playoffs. So I think the Giants are in. The Cowboys, I'm not as certain on. The Cowboys are likely in, and the Cowboys get Detroit and Chicago in their next two. And I would imagine, I'm I'm very confident they're going to beat Chicago. But Detroit, coming off a bye, a desperate Lions team, and Dak in his first game back, that could be a bit of a tough one. Tougher than I think people expect. Then they're at Green Bay and at Minnesota in back-to-back weeks. They have another game against Philly. Now, what is helpful for Dallas is from a media narrative standpoint, Cooper Rush had the game that I thought he was going to have against Cincinnati when you and I lost all that money. Yeah. But the, the three interception was right. behind from the very beginning, had to pass, and was terrible. Here's why that helps Dallas. Now, even the dumbest of talk shows, and I'm including mine in that, can't, in, can't talk about a quarterback controversy if Dallas struggles. Nobody can be like, oh, maybe they should go back to Cooper Rush. Had they found a way to win yesterday, and by the way, it was 20 to nothing, then all of a sudden it was 20 to 17. Had they found a way to win yesterday, then even if the eye test tells you Dak's better than Cooper, as soon as Dak struggled, there was going to be that discussion. They did not find a way to win, and the biggest reason was Cooper was terrible. was just brutal in that game from start to finish. Because of that, the, the Cowboys won't have to worry about the narrative of any quarterback controversy. Right. One last point on the Cowboys. When when Dak got hurt, if we said they were going to go four and one with Cooper Rush, they'd have signed up for that in an absolute heartbeat. So they're likely might going to be in the playoffs. I'm not ready to lock them into the playoffs just yet. And I'm very curious to see how they look against Detroit. But yeah, nobody, when it comes to nobody knowing anything, the NFC East having three teams. Be a combined fifteen and three is remarkable. All right, next. Uh, the Bucks, Packers, and Ravens got a few things in common. Yeah, a couple, should I say they're all three and three and suffered embarrassing upsets Sunday. Green Bay was blown out by seventeen at home by the Jets. Bucks lost in Pittsburgh to Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, and the Ravens blew another lead against the G-Men after a late Lamar turnover. Two of them, I think. Yeah. yeah. Of Green Bay, Tampa, and Baltimore, whose red flags are the biggest to you? All right, I'm going to go smallest to biggest. Okay. The smallest is Baltimore. I still think they're a playoff team, and Lamar will rebound. But there's now two games in the last three weeks that Lamar has 
had brutal turnovers late in the game that helped them blow leads, helped cost them games. And in fact, uh, so I'm going to give you a stat that I read on Twitter. I want to give credit to whoever came up with it. So Lamar, when he took over the Ravens, here it is. This is Bill Barnwell. From the moment he took over to the, the Ravens until the start of this year, the Ravens, when they had a 10-plus point lead in the second half, they were 31-2. and 31-2 and two, if they were up at any point in the second half by double digits. This year, the Ravens, with a double-digit lead in the second half, 2-3. and three. So that's a problem. But the reason that it's the smallest red flag is what does that also mean? All three of their losses, they have been up 10 in the second half. Right. So they're good enough, even against really good teams or good teams, the to people. get up big. Right. They just have to figure out how to close these games. Lamar's got to be more careful with the ball. The second biggest red flag is Tampa, but it's a pretty significant one. Brady had a weird week, man. He left the team to go to Bob Kraft's wedding. He's the, he misses the walkthrough. That losing to the Steelers is horrifying. Shout out to my TV co-host, Kevin Wilds, for calling it. I... I I didn't see how it was possible. I you know we had your mom's birthday party and costume party Friday Saturday night. Right. So I woke up too late to put in any extra bets in on these games like my u- usual morning teaser. So luckily. But luckily cuz I definitely <laughs> would have had Tampa in every teaser imaginable teasing them down to two and a half. They were eight and a half point favorites. They might have actually gone off at 10. I, I mean survivor pools this this week was absolute a bl- a bloodbath because of these games we're talking about here. This, the giant survivor pool I'm in that started the year with 21,000 entrants as of this morning 200. is down to 270. I have two two entries left. for yesterday. By the way, in that survivor pool, yesterday was a double pick week, so you had to pick two teams. Right. And, so, and by the way, I have two entries left, but w- one of them has as one of my picks, the Chargers. So it's not even all the way through yet. They got to win tonight. Tampa's loss, though, was really, really bad, unforgivable. And for the defense to not be able to get Mitch Trubisky off the field after Kenny Pickett goes out with an injury, Tampa goes down and scores down eight, misses the two-point conversion, and then has Mitch in some third and longs, and Mitch converts them. So Tampa's (laughs) offense doesn't look good. Brady looks like he doesn't want to get hit, and their defense didn't come through in the didn't biggest spot. Steelers. Okay? So they're, they're a significant red flag. What they have going for them is that division. The Panthers might be the worst team in football, and then you've got, you have Atlanta, and then who's the other team in that? Oh, the Saints. The Saints stink. The Sa- So the Panthers might be the worst team in football. The Saints stink. Atlanta's frisky. Atlanta's now 6-0 against the spread, by the way. Unbelievable. Against the spread. But but 3-3 three three overall. Same record as Tampa. Yeah. I think Tampa's going to be fine. And that's our time because our producers, God love them, even though I keep telling them, give me 20 minutes on Mondays in football season, they won't do it. They just refuse to do it. They just want me to look bad by going into overtime. We're not even through the third wanna, topic. See you we have point. one more topic. By the way, if you're watching live, I hope we fixed our audio issues, but also uh, drop questions in the chat. We'll do them in the C block. That's our third segment. So Tampa, I think, is going to be fine. And they also, their schedule softens up a bit over the next couple months. Then there's Greenback. 
I do not think Green Bay is going to be fine. Yeah. In fact, one of the reasons that I do think the NFC East is likely to produce three playoff teams is because the NFC North, I think, only produces one because I think Green Bay misses the playoffs entirely. I think the Vikings are going and Green Bay. Green Bay's offense, I, I said all year their defense was a touch overrated. That's a good, I thought going into the year, a good, not a great defense. Hasn't even been a very good defense so far this year. But offensively, they score seven against Minnesota. They score 14 in a win against Tampa. They scored 10 yesterday against the Jets. They lose to the Giants. They need overtime to beat the Patriots. They, I mean, they have one clear-cut victory this season. Chicago is one of the worst teams in football. Rodgers looks nothing like Aaron Rodgers. He can't deal with not having Devontae Adams, it looks like. The offense is sputtering every single week. And now you look at them. After that, after they escaped that Tampa game, it's like, okay, well, now they're in really good shape. They get the Patriots, who should be an easy win with the, how the Patriots were looking. And then that game, the Patriots, by the way, lost their quarterback. Might have been a good thing for them. Then the Giants, the Jets on neutral site, and then in Lambeau, and then Washington before they play Buffalo. Instead, they need overtime to beat the Patriots. They lose to the Giants, the Giants in London. They lose to the Jets at Lambeau by 17 points in a game Zach Wilson doesn't do anything. Right. The Jets' offense, passing-wise, did nothing. Yeah, now you get Washington, you'll beat Washington, but then you have Buffalo. And you'll, I mean, you assume you lose to Buffalo. It's just, you still have Philadelphia on the schedule. You still have at Miami on the schedule. You still have another game against Minnesota on the schedule. You have uh, a home game against the Rams that, Listen, maybe that'll be good, but we'll see what the Rams look like by that point in the season. I think the Packers are an 8-9 win team, and I think they missed the playoffs. All right, last. It's in the road for those boys. All right, Rodgers, Brady, and Lamar have disappointed. What about the overachievers? We mm-hmm. discussed the 5-1 Giants who have wins over Green Bay and Baltimore. Mm-hmm. The Jets, who are now 4-2 and two and may have the best young talent in the league. And the Falcons just dominated the number one defense and have been consistent every week. Mm-hmm. Who was the biggest surprise in the NFL this season? Okay. So let's go through, though, and you know what? I would include Seattle in there. Oh, yeah. I would. I know that we we don't have them listed, but Seattle was supposed to be in contention for the number one pick of the draft. They just won again. Geno has been sensational. Yeah. Uh, and so now, do they have impressive wins? Not really. They beat Denver, who's not very good. Detroit, who's not any good, and Arizona, who's not any good. But I would I would at least include Seattle in the honorable mentions. Atlanta, who is one of the teams that beat Seattle, Atlanta, I give them credit for finding a way to make this work with Marcus Mariota at quarterback and with wins over. No, none of the, none of their wins have come over terrible teams. And Atlanta's where they beat Seattle, they beat Cleveland, who finds a way to just shoot itself in the foot every single week. By the time Deshaun comes back, they're cooked. Right. And then yesterday's win by Atlanta over San Francisco was phenomenal. They beat San Francisco, and it wasn't fluky. They beat them by two scores, just dominating that football game. So I I will give the Falcons credit. The Jets do have, listen, Sauce Gardner's awesome. 
Brees Hall's very good. Garrett Wilson didn't do anything this weekend, but it was hard because they weren't throwing the ball well. I think he's very good. Quinn and Williams is really good. So I agree with the young talent thing. Zach Wilson. He's compliant. Yeah. Yeah, but if we go through what Zach Wilson's done so far this year, okay? So he comes back. He plays Pittsburgh. One touchdown, two picks, 250 yards. Not great. Against Miami, 14 of 21, 210 yards, zero touchdowns, zero picks. And then against Green Bay, 10 of 18, 110 yards, zero touchdowns, two picks. Zach Wilson is right now taking advantage of the fact that people love quarterback wins and they've won all three of those games. He hasn't been great. He needs to be better, but the Jets being four and two. Right now, the Jets are the third seed. If the playoffs are today, they'd be the, well, they wouldn't be the three seed. They'd be the number one wild card team. They have the best record of any non-division leader okay. in the AFC. So I give them credit for that. I don't think that's sustainable. The biggest surprise is the Giants. The Giants, there we go. Yeah. I thought the Giants were going to be terrible. Yeah. Not, not only are they not terrible, they are winning gritty games where they're losing late and finding ways to win. What's up? A, a few weeks ago, it seemed like you were far off of, you were not entertaining the Giants. No, I mean, the Giants. I was not. And you were I saying, said like, they might found- be 4-0 and be a bad team. Because I was like, they'll beat Dallas. They could beat Dallas with Cooper Rush, beat Chicago. I was like, but then they're going to play Green Bay and Baltimore and get their teeth kicked in in both those games. Instead, they're playing Green Bay. They're down 14 in that game, down 10 in the second half, and they find a way to win. So are you on board with Daniel Jones and the Giants? How far do you think they could take? Okay, so then let me just finish real quick. And then Baltimore, another game. They're down 10 in the second half. And they find a way to win. So I think Dable's doing an excellent job. Saquon is awesome. Right. The defense is playing well. Like it shows you what a bad job Joe Judge was doing coaching that team because it's mostly the same players. Right. And now they're five and one. Daniel Jones, they are. If they get a real quarterback there, they could be a dangerous team very quickly. Daniel Jones right now is doing just enough. He's not killing you. I give him credit against Baltimore. made a few nice plays, and he has stopped fumbling the football, which was his biggest problem. He is still, at best, like the 20th best quarterback in football. So I I think he's a future career backup, but to be 5-1 and one in that circumstance, let me give you a quick prediction on what's going to happen with them. The... I think with them, I think they're going to sign Jimmy G this offseason. Hmm. I think Jimmy, I think that is where Jimmy G goes. And so that's where I think this goes for them. But they have been the biggest surprise. Dable's been the coach of the year, and Saquon's been unbelievable. One last thing, but it's not in the rest of the show. I just want to mention it here. And this is not a surprise, but it should be noted. Arizona being consistently this god-awful particularly on offense, particularly in the first half of games, is just unforgivable. It's just utterly and totally unforgivable. Do this math for me. Arizona in week one, seven first half points. Arizona in week two, zero first half points. Arizona in week three, six first half points. Arizona in week four, three first half points. So now we're up to 16. Arizona in week five, 10 first half points. That's not terrible. Uh, So now we're up to 26. Arizona this past week, three first half points. 
That's 29 first half points in six weeks. So that's less than five points a game in the first half of games for a team whose entire strength is supposed to be its offense. Now, I know they get new Hopkins back, but they lose Hollywood Brown because he got hurt. Arizona, they are so poorly coached, and Cliff does such a bad job. And Kyler, after getting all that money and talking all that trash, Kyler has six passing touchdowns this year. Six. He has an 81 passer rating. The For, for a team that last year, I think, started, what, nine and two? This is brutal. And I, I don't, I don't see any way out for them. And you also keep in mind, they're two and four. One win is against Carolina, and the other win is against a one and four Raider team that I actually think is kind of frisky. But that rate that Raider win was one of the most miraculous games of the year. They were down in that game 23 to 7 with nine minutes left. They're down 16 with nine minutes left and came all the way back to win. That was Kyler's one good moment. They've been a disaster. We'll be, we, hey, 10 minutes overtime. That's exactly, you know what? Take another 10 seconds. We'll go the exact length of an NFL overtime. We're going to talk a little bit about the Warriors contract extensions and then back to the other NFL stories where we take your questions in the C block. This is what's right. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome back in. What's right, Nick Wright? Segment number two. Demonte, what are we starting with? Uh, Warriors extensions. Just a few days after Draymond threw the punch at Jordan Poole, it is obvious that the Warriors have Poole's back. Yeah. Signed a huge extension this weekend, and they also found themselves, uh, I mean, sorry, they also tied themselves to Wiggins long-term. The Warriors are now on a $500 million luxury tax bill in the future. Yeah. Is there any chance that they will regret keeping Poole over Draymond? Well, really curious to hear your answer on this one. I mean, listen, I am... I am not a huge believer. I, I think Steve Kerr had a very good quote about Jordan Poole, which was, listen, you earned every penny of this. We're happy for you. But there's a reason you played 17 minutes a game in the playoffs, and we want to play you 30 minutes a game. You've got to get better. And we'll see how the punch affects him, how the new money affects him, all of that. I, I Jordan Poole obviously has talent, but he's a defensive liability, and he's incredibly confident which can be good, but also can be bad. They got Wiggins on a good salary. I mean, he took a pay cut from where he was. He obviously is happy there. Right. It's just the right spot for him where he's not relied on for his scoring. His scoring is a bonus. Good defense. He was critical to them last year. I've given my pound of flesh on the Wiggins thing. But what is noteworthy about this is the timing. of it, Because I do not believe now that they have decided to give Poole the extension and to give Wiggins the extension. They're giving. I do not believe they are giving Draymond an extension. And I think the odds of Draymond being traded, as I said last week, that I thought it would be traded before the deadline, just increased exponentially. Because you could get things of value for Draymond Green. What? 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 I, I, Go just, ahead. I just think Draymond, I think 
in two years. Uh-huh. He's done. That might be true. Um, I just don't I don't know what I don't know what exactly Draymond did last year. Well that so, I mean, I understand he's got his track record. He's not he's no he LeBron. was good at the he was good at the end of the finals. All right. He he does unlock things for them, lineups they can play because when he is locked in, he is still a tremendous defensive player. And his synergy with Steph Curry is helpful. With that said, there's very there's just a very select list of teams that could really if you're a bad team, you have no use for Draymond Green. If there there you know there's only certain teams that could use him. However, now that they have paid Poole and Wiggins, do I think it's possible that they, as I said last week, that they decide to see what trade value Draymond as an expiring deal or a deal with a player option plus one of the other young guys has? I do. Do I think that they want anything to do with Draymond picking up this 30-some million dollar option or opting out and expecting a big deal? I don't. Is there an option where Draymond can just take way less money? Well, I don't know why he would. Because here's the thing. He has one year left on his deal. Let me tell you the exact numbers on it, and then we'll move on back to football. I think it's $32 million, but I want to make sure I want to get the money right. So Draymond this year is, so it was a four-year $100 million deal. So I, I actually had the money wrong. So it's $26 million this year, and then a player option for $28 million next year. So Draymond, at the end of this year, his agent, Rich Paul with Clutch, is going to survey the landscape and find out, is there anyone out there willing to give him a multi-year high-dollar extension? If there is not, then he will just pick up that player option for $28 million. He would never decline the player option to then take $10 million. Right. You know, that doesn't make sense. Now, is it possible he would decline the player option at one year $28 million? In order to get three years, sixty million, so it's uh, less money per year, right. but more length. Yeah, that's on the board. But I think the Warriors are going to move him because I think that they would risk losing him for nothing this offseason. I think what he did was a big deal. I thought Kevin Durant's quote. I know there were some members of the media trying to act like other members. This is one of the things I hate: members of the media who try to act like. Other members of the media are soft compared to them. And they were doing this whole, oh, this happens all the time. Oh, guys don't know what it's like in a locker room. And then Kevin Durant gave a quote. He's like, I'm in the league 16 years. I've never seen that happen. (laughs) Uh, Kyrie, Kyrie, of course, (laughs) though, in the same locker room, was asked by Nick Friedel, uh, you know, about the moment. He's like, oh, man, I wasn't surprised at all. I've seen it all in the league. Like, yeah, of course you have, Kai. But no, so it was a really big deal what happened. Yeah. The Warriors acknowledged it was a big deal and then lost their medal on it by letting Draymond. The reason they didn't suspend Draymond, I truly believe, is because of ring night. They don't want him to miss ring night. But I don't think it's sustainable there. And I think the Warriors made it very clear they have made their choices in valuing Poole and Wiggins 
over Draymond. All right, are we playing a game now? We are playing all in or fold, folks. Yep. And by the way, you guys can send in questions or respond to the chat, and we will read the best answers. Okay. It means that if we didn't read your answer, that it sucked. No, that's not what it means. I, I'm kidding, guys. I that's love not what it means. It I, probably I just, means we just didn't see it, just, or Demonze's computer isn't working. My, my so question work. sucks sometimes as well. Uh, go ahead. Uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase finally had a big day for the Bengals and, and a win in New Orleans. With the Ravens and Browns losing, the AFC North is wide open. All in or fold, the Bengals will make the playoffs. Or he's going. Oh, I wouldn't feel great about this all in, but I will go all in on it. Okay. I think the Bengals, listen, the Bengals did not fix their offensive line. They're going to have to play the rest of the season out of shotgun. I don't know that they want to, but that's what they're going to have to do. And the, the offense will be able to function because of that. Also, they needed Jamar to have a huge day. He did. Jamar had been okay this year, but since week one, he is, he had, week one, he was 10 for 129 and a touchdown. Week two, five for 54. Week three, six for 29. Week four, four for 81. Week five, seven for 50. Only one touchdown that stretch. And then yesterday, seven for 132 and two scores, all of them critical. And now Cincinnati's got Atlanta, Cleveland, Carolina, a bye week, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, before they get Kansas City. Now, the end of their season is brutal. Kansas City, Cleveland with Deshaun back, Tampa, New England, Buffalo, Baltimore. So they they can't be 500 going into that stretch. But home against Atlanta, at Cleveland, home for Carolina, I like them in all those spots. That's 6-3 and three going into the bye before they play Pittsburgh. I think they make the playoffs. Next. Felix says he's he's folding. Rest of the calendar. He's brutal. but well, yeah. After again, Kansas City, Cleveland, Tampa, New England, Buffalo, Baltimore is a brutal final six weeks. Don't get me wrong, but Cincinnati at home against Baltimore in Week 18. At the very least, I would expect Cincinnati to be in a position where if they win that game, they're in the playoffs. You know what I mean? I would expect that. All right, next. The Vikings quietly have one of the best records in the league at five and one. With the two-game lead in the division and the Packers collapsing, Minnesota could have a real shot. All interfold, it's time to take the Vikings seriously. I mean, I think you have to, I mean, take them seriously to win the division, absolutely. All in on that. Take them seriously to win multiple playoff games, no chance. I don't trust Kirk Cousins like that, but uh, they they have a bye this week. They're home for Arizona, and then they're at Washington. That, to me, feels like 7-1. and one. It's seven and one, and the you guys, uh, I made it clear how skeptical I am about the Packers. So yeah, I'm all in on the Vikings winning that division, even if I don't think they're going to be a real playoff threat. Next, okay. Bailey's happy, and the Patriots crushed the Browns thirty-eight to fifteen, which is good news for everybody in New England except for Mac Jones. All under fold, Mac Jones will be the quarterback in New England. Will be the backup. I mean, the backup. Yeah, sorry. quarterback in New England. This is a tough one. I think he should be. I think Zappy's interesting, man. We know what Mac Jones is. Mac Jones was a high-floor, low-ceiling guy who this year tried to come out and prove to people he was a high-ceiling guy, and he turned himself into a low-floor guy. With two touchdowns, five picks was bad. Bailey Zappy came in and was like, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. I will run the offense. And this week threw for 300 yards. Yeah, He's doing exactly what they want him to do. They're running the football. They're playing good defense. That that guy, Jack Jones, has been excellent. The corner, 
Patriots did seem to have a good draft. I I would stick with Zappy. This isn't a Cooper well, Rush Dak situation where it's like, oh my God, what you know? What right, Dak Prescott's obviously the vet there. Right, has all this talent, all that. Right. That's not this situation at all. And so, listen, I I would stick with Zappy. Uh, I don't think they will, but I'm very curious if Mac comes back in and tries to throw it all over the field again and tries to do these things that uh, he was was screwing him up the first few weeks if they go back to Bailey Zappi. Mac Jones officially on notice. Next. Uh, After the Jets upset the Packers in Lambeau, Sauce Gardner wore a cheese head until Alan Lazard knocked it off. Also, he said Jets fans in Lambeau kind of made it feel like a home game. All under fold, Sauce Gardner destroyed the Jets' good karma. Oh, no, I'm folding that. I actually liked that. I actually liked that he did that. I thought it was pretty, it seemed pretty genuine. I thought it was Wasn't genuine. Like, I think that guy's awesome. That guy's been a dominant player every step of his life. I don't know how he ended up at Cincinnati. I haven't researched that. He was unbelievable there. He's been great with the Jets. Him yeah. and Stingley, the two corners that went top five, Stingley to the Texans, have both been phenomenal players. The Jets, again, the, the, the pivot point is going to be how good is Zach Wilson. But the rest of that team, they are building a real team. I So I'm folding that he just destroyed the Jets' good karma. I liked that moment. It reminded me a bit of Richard Sherman with the young Seahawks when Tom Brady came to Seattle with the Patriots and the Seahawks beat him and Sherman ran up to him at the end of the game and yelled, you mad, bro, you mad, bro. <laughs> like a young, brash, I'm here corner yeah. on a young, brash defense. I liked it. All right, next. The Jags blew a late-game lead to Matt Ryan and have repeatedly let you down. Will this be the straw that broke the camel's back? All in her fold, Nick will keep betting on the Jags and the Prince that was promised. That loss. So I had the Jags plus a point and a half on this show. But I had him plus two and a half on the TV show. Right. Okay. Demonze, they're up one with Indy has the ball in field goal range with less than a minute left. Everyone knows they're just going to run the ball, kick the field goal, win by two. I'm going to be, or maybe miss the field goal. But if they do, they win by two, my two and a half covers. I'm going to be sad for Trevor Lawrence and the Jags, but at least my bet wins. Instead, they throw a bomb down the sideline and score a touchdown. Indy, by the way, has been the most unbelievable team (laughs) this year. I just want to tell you how their season is going. What do you call them? Indy (laughs) Indy was down 20-3 to to start the fourth quarter against the Texans in week one. That game ends up being tied in overtime. The Jags then kicked their ass 24-0. Kansas City, they beat the Chiefs on a touchdown pass with 29 seconds left. They beat Denver in overtime thanks to Russ's interception. And they in, in that Denver game, again, like this is a team that is down with eight seconds left. And then they kick a field goal to tie it and then win in overtime. And then this week, they are down with how much time? 23 seconds left, and they throw a bomb to the end zone. I never see anything like it. The Jags are in real trouble. And this game wasn't on Trevor, but he could have been better. I I have to stop betting on the Jags. Like, I feel like I don't have a choice. Well, With that said, what's the line this week? Oh, they're home against the Giants? 
<laughs> well, this there's is no a, way you like that. Well, hold on. What do you what do you think that line is? Jaguars at home against the Giants. So what, I, I I think it's Giants two and a half. All right. So this is gonna blow your mind. Jacksonville favored by three. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yo, funny because Felix is all in. He's too deep. He needs to be stopped for his own good. Okay, so here's Exhibit the thing. A. Here's the thing. <laughs> you know who's gonna love the Giants plus three? Our dopey producers. <laughs> you. Everyone. The Giants getting getting a full three. You thought they'd be favored by two and a half. Look at them. Nobody can figure out this line. Why would Jack? You know what? I love it. You love it. I love you? it. Yeah. You love the Giants. Like, yes. I mean, I'm, I might bet on that right now. And it might be the only thing that I that I bet on. You bet the, on for the week? Yes. But just in case it moves. If everyone bets the Giants, it moves down yeah, to dude, two and a half. That's down a mistake. Oh, boy. You guys know one of my rules of gambling. If DeMonze and the producers love <laughs> the same bet, I'm going the other side. We answer your questions in the chat next. All right, welcome back in. What's right, Nick Wright? Final segment. Uh, we've gone late as we do every Monday show. Uh, by the way, if you're watching right now, please watch the beginning of the TV show because I'm going to do something fun for the Bills Chiefs game. A little sneak preview for the folks, for you guys that are watching this right now. I have a prepared statement that I'm going to read for okay. the beginning of the TV show. I've never done it. Maybe it won't work. Maybe it will. But check that out 3 p.m. Eastern on FS1. Also, the next What's Right comes out live on YouTube at 10.30 Eastern Thursday morning. And then, of course, our gambling show, another god dog two and three week, thanks to the Jaguars. Just the worst, man. I think just going to have to take a worst. different approach. In the Yo, it's... I saw... By the way, I know we're supposed to be answering questions. Yeah, we're going to answer your questions in the chat in just a second. Uh, you tweeted, you can get the Chiefs plus five and a half. Uh-huh. Why didn't you text that to me? Well, you should... Don't you have alerts on for my Twitter? I... Okay. <laughs> Don't you? I mean, listen, I mean, I shouldn't have to text you directly. <laughs> I mean, I sent it to 500,000 people. I just love like the, I feel like the humbleness of the tweet. I feel like you kind of like retracted from your. What do you mean? Like you just said, just, like FYI, it was like not as. I do that whenever the Chiefs are underdogs in live betting. I send out the same tweet. FYI, you can get them on this. And by the way, the plus five and a half would have won. Yeah, I know. That's why I was. Unlike the plus two and a half. Yeah. Uh, but, oh, you know what? Before we get to the questions, I'm going to do something incredibly self-serving here, okay? And I need, I'm need i going to need our social team <laughs> to go ahead and clip this and send this to me, okay? Totally self-serving. Then we'll get to the questions. Go ahead and put me on the one shot, please, here. So, yesterday was not only my wife's birthday, but also the one-year anniversary of her store, Trentage, this amazing boutique here in Harlem, which happens to be the location of the podcast. If you ever come to Trentage to do some shopping, you can see our set that we have built out here where Demonze and I do the show. And it's incredibly gracious of her to give us the space. It's incredibly awesome of Fox and her to be able to work out that we can use this space. I'm very happy about all that. But more than anything, I'm very, and I wish I could almost turn the camera around and show everybody the, the amazing stuff, this store she has built. She has picked out every single item in this store by hand. Yesterday, it was like a celebration for the entire community here yeah. because it has been such a gem in the community. 
uh, because she has created a place that has legitimate, like high fashion items for the women of Harlem or of all of New York City, particularly Harlem, for not high fashion prices. And it, you know, she, it's very important to her that the stuff stays affordable. And it was her lifelong dream. And she opened it on her 40th birthday last year. And yesterday, we had a great party for her birthday this weekend, which was kind of a celebration of her. And then yesterday, there was an unbelievable party here for the one-year anniversary of Trintage. And it's just such a cool thing. And I'm so incredibly proud of her. And I love her so very much. And we appreciate her letting us use her space to do this podcast. We love you, Mom. Oh, there you go. Thanks, buddy. All right. Now, let's answer the questions. Go ahead. What do we mean? <laughs> no, I said thanks, buddy. Like, that was a nice thing you added to it. I thought that was sweet of you. Go ahead. Um, all right. So, Todd asks, what's one sporting event left on this year's calendar that Nick and Dee most like to go to? If it wasn't in Qatar, the World Cup. For me, if it was if, if it wasn't there, the World Cup final would be my answer. Uh, okay. I'm not big on going to NFL games in person. I think the NFL's better on television. Enjoy, yeah, there's so it's like it almost feels like you got to be ready to fight at football games. Yeah, it's like a very hostile, very hostile environment. environment. Uh, now we're going to be going to that's right the Nets season opener against the Pelicans. That's going to be dope. We're going to go to go on to like 40 of the Nets games this year. We got season tickets. So, but for me, the answer, if it was anywhere else or almost anywhere else, the World Cup is an unbelievable experience. And it's one thing I've never been to. And there's no major tennis events less left in the calendar year. So none of those. All right, next. Sweet. John asks, what do you think happens to Lamar Jackson if he misses the playoffs? Oh, listen, I think unless the Ravens make the Super Bowl, I think it's the same result for Lamar no matter what, which is they're going to franchise tag. I don't think he's going to get a con the, the contract he wants. They are not going to give him if he, unless they go on a deep, deep playoff run. And even if they miss the playoffs, it's not like they're going to let him walk. Right. And so Lamar was unbelievable the first three weeks of the year, has struggled somewhat the last few weeks of the year, the last most recent few weeks. So I think it's a franchise tag almost no matter what for Lamar. Next. Okay, Joe Smith asks, if the Bills do happen to beat the Chiefs in the playoffs, they definitely have to win the Super Bowl two to validate the season, or would it be considered a failure? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I don't think it would be. If the Bills beat the Chiefs and make the Super Bowl, but lose in the Super Bowl, that's clearly not a failure, but it would be completely devastating for Buffalo. Yeah. Because this is a team that went to four straight Super Bowls and lost them all. This is a team that's never won a Super Bowl. And this is supposed to be a year where the Bills are peaking and it's supposed to be, and the Chiefs are taking a slight step back. Chiefs drafting all those guys, trading Tyreek. The Bills are in a rough cap situation next year. They they went out and got Von Miller. Like, so that this is a year where it would be the the depth the the failure is when they lose to the Chiefs in the playoff playoffs again, which is what's going to happen. Okay, I know I started off the show a little humble and good for the Bills, whatever. <laughs> He's back. I am not <laughs> concerned at all. I don't care where that playoff game is. Put that playoff game <laughs> on the goddamn moon. I don't care, and I, and I'll believe Josh Allen can beat Patrick Mahomes in a game that actually matters when it actually happens. Next. Okay, we got Raymond here. Says, I love the show, and it's so awesome to see DeMonte's growth on the show after show is in, 
I'm sorry. Girls Demonte's show, growth, after, show after show. It's, yeah. yeah, it's inspiring. I mean, look at that growth. That, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Thank you, Raymond. I appreciate your support. Uh, what, what do you think the top storyline will be in the NBA this year? The Warriors chemistry or the Clippers as a contender? What do you think? You answer it. Uh, I think the bigger one would be the Clippers being a contender. I, I think the Warriors chemistry is like a no, like a no brainer type thing. I think that's always going to be there. So I think he's talking about it because of the Draymond thing. Like, do you think the Warriors? I'm, I are think I'm doing it? that thinking that Draymond's not going to be there. Oh, that they are um, going to trade Draymond. Yeah, that would end up being a massive story. <laughs> uh, that you know, there are a few people talking about that. I'm one of them, but. It's not like that's the consensus. Do you buy the Clippers as the best team in the West? On paper, on paper, they're the best team in the West. The, the by the way, and we'll get in this in the NBA season preview. It's really unbelievable to me. I was told all last year that I had to just eat it. That Jokic gets to be an MVP on a six seed because. He, they, they would be title contenders if they had their second and third best players. It's not his fault they don't have them. Now they have all of them, and I haven't seen a That's... single person pick them to even make the finals, let alone win the championship. Not a single person. Uh, so I the, the Clippers on paper are awesome. I think Kawhi is a bigger injury risk than Anthony Davis thinks. I think the idea that you're going to get 75 games out of Kawhi Leonard, it, he's a great, great, great player. But, I mean, he tore his ACL in the playoffs the year before this most recent one. We haven't seen him play since then. So I think, and again, we'll do an NBA preview on Thursday. I think low-key, the biggest story in the NBA this year might be the Sixers. Yeah. I think the Sixers could be awesome. I think Embiid's angry that he's he feels he's been you know snubbed on the MVP a couple years in a row. I think Harden will be better than he was last year, even if he's not vintage Harden. And I think that Maxi kid's going to be awesome. Yeah. So you know all that plus the depth that Daryl's built. I like the Sixers. All right, let's do a couple more, and then I got to go. All right, Cordell asks over under Draymond will still be with the Warriors after the All Star. I say under. Uh, you know, I I think I think he gets traded. It's obviously, you had to get traded before the deadline. Deadline's right after the break. But I think you'll get traded before then. Next. Ruben asks, how much... How much thigh? How much thigh? Read oh, the question. Okay, Jesus. I was Read like, wait, question. why are we talking about thighs here? Ruben asks, how much thigh will you continue to let Demonze get away with? I don't know, man. It's a new generation. They're the short, short generation. It's a weird thing. It was like John Stockton in that era. And then these G's, Gen Z weirdos that wear these short shorts and they're just like, they're just trying to show off leg. I don't understand it. I've tried to tell Demonte, there's a few things. I'm built differently than most humans. I understand you have long legs. They make shorts for those people. No, these are actually a large. If I get an XL in these shorts, they're freaking huge in my waist. Well, that's what belts are for. Belts for <laughs> shorts. Or, or, or what about pants? Since we're on TV. I've worn my two pairs of jeans the last the last week. I just can't keep wearing jeans. Well, you can. It's it's fall in New York. Not everybody's got their same clothing from like 10 years ago. Okay. 
You know what, buddy? I'm building up here. You guys, you guys have been seeing me. I've been coming with some different stuff. Please, Monte has been spending a lot of money on fits. Unfortunately, they're all the money. <laughs> the fits are all shorts. <laughs> it's just we have we are seeing a nice different, you know, a, a long uh, a closet full of shorts, but maybe some, mix some pants in there. But listen, he is doing a great job. There are a few things though he just won't listen to me on. There, one of them is. I definitely am not listening to this guy on fashion. Not even you don't even dress yourself. Well, yeah, but <laughs> I don't need to. I I already did the whole thing about your mom. That's what she does for a living. <laughs> uh, but okay, listen, Demonte is doing a great job. Today was a great show. We'll be back on Thursday. By the way, I like the Chargers tonight. I don't know if I like the Chargers minus what are they right now five and a half. But I like the Chargers to win tonight. And mercifully, last thing is this the last time. It it are the Broncos on national TV every game, <laughs> every week. The damn Broncos are the national TV game. I'm gonna there's check two real going quick. On tonight. Say it again. Two. There's two. No, there's not two. Oh, who told you there was two? Oh no no no! no. I'm it's Denver playing the Chargers. That's what I'm yeah, talking yeah. about. Yeah, it's Denver against the Chargers. The Broncos. They have another national TV game in two weeks. They're the London game. At least that's a different type of national TV game because it's the London game, and then. They have another national TV game in December against the I Chiefs on Sunday night. Everybody on earth thought Russell Wilson was better than what he is. Well, it's not fun. everybody on earth, my friend. <laughs> One person didn't. All right, we'll talk to you guys on Thursday. What's right?